Welcome to the GEM series, powered by Rocket Level. On this podcast, we empower entrepreneurs to succeed by setting big goals, executing like a pro, and having a fearless mindset. The GEM series is all about investing in yourself. We're here to share the path to getting what you want out of life by sharing the stories of entrepreneurs who have done this themselves, providing thorough research from our team on what careers and habits are yielding the best results, and discussing the mindset it takes to overcome the obstacles that all future entrepreneurs will face. Investing in yourself starts with putting in the work every single day, and this podcast is here to help you do exactly that. My name is Blake Chapman. I'm the Vice President of the Ambassador Program here at Rocket Level, and I am thrilled to be your host for the GEM Series. Welcome to today's GEM Series. I am I'm really excited to have you on the show, Billy. I, uh, you know, I, I, I was looking into everything that you do, and I've, uh, I've been a fan, and, and I got to say, everybody, Billy is a man of many talents. So he is a former Tesla executive and is the co-founder of Podify, which is a media and marketing agency. Um, also has his own podcast, Inside Out with Billy Samoa, which is ranked in the top 1% of podcasts in the world. Um, Billy, I'm going to be asking for all your, uh, all your secrets on this podcast. <laughs> uh, he's also an expert researcher known for some of his most thought-provoking questions and the ability to empower leaders and high performers. Um, at a quick scan, I just was looking through some of the people that you've talked to and you're talking to some of the biggest thought leaders in the world. And what I loved is that when I listened to it, you're having really great conversations with them. So um, yeah, I'm super excited to have you today, uh, Billy. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. Excited to jump in and looking forward to our conversation. This is the highlight of my day. So thanks, Blake. Hey, me too. Me too. I've been looking forward to it all week. I, uh, yeah, I've been excited talking with my team over here about some of the stuff that we're going to get into. Um, for those that don't know you, Billy, would you mind sharing with the audience just a little bit about yourself to give uh, anybody some context? Happy to. Yeah. So my background is really, it's about creating experiences. So I think the through line of my life has always been, I enjoy seeing other people happy. And it started, I think when I was in elementary school and I would put together these big elaborate projects that were 60, 70 pages long. I wanted to make my teacher happy, but <laughs> what ended up happening is in high school, I did a school project and that school project was a video assignment. This is back in the days I'm dating myself where you actually had like VHS. Mm -hmm. And so I created this project and I didn't know it at the time, but that was going to be the precursor to my love of doing things creative. So out of that, I ended up going to film school. I made a movie in my twenties. The movie did really, really well from a just a, a general standpoint of getting it out there to uh, the people who were interested in that type of movie and it won some awards cool. and got picked up for distribution. And I quickly realized though, making movies, especially independent movies, isn't necessarily going to pay the bills. It can, but it usually doesn't. So I found myself in corporate life. I ended up doing something that I thought would make a big impact, which was being in the renewable space. So I worked for this company called Verango, which was a a small solar company. And I'm grateful to say that I helped them reach to be one of the top five solar companies in the country. That led me to a role at Solar City. And at Solar City, I had the opportunity to work at the biggest solar company in the country. I was the head of leadership development. I ran a TV show called Solar City TV. And then for Whoa. those who know, 
<laughs> yeah, Solar City was bought by Tesla. And so I got a chance to work for Tesla. So sort of a pinch me moment. I actually created the onboarding program for any new hire that starts at Tesla, which we called Launch. And, and then that gave me the opportunity to then take a new role where I was ahead of global sales training. So any person that talks to somebody at Tesla, my team taught them how to do that. And so I was one layer removed from Elon Musk. Uh, they say it's kind of close to the sun, which uh, it was. And I, <laughs> I realized that I ultimately wanted to do my own thing, which led me to my current path. When I left Tesla, I started my own podcast. You mentioned Inside Out. I realized it's a lot of work to create a show. So I built my own team. And then I said, you know what? I have my team, but other people need a team. And so I created Podify, which we produce podcasts. We help people market their content. We help people monetize their content. It's really like the world we live in today is the attention economy. So how do we get people's attention? Mm -hmm. And then how do we convert that that attention into something that could be a revenue generator? So that's my story, man. Man, I resonate with so much of that and that I have always, you know, in high school, that was, that was me making, I was making films of like, oh, I wanted to, to have something that was kind of epic and exciting, made people laugh and, and all of that. And then, and then you, you, you go through college or whatever, and then you're like, well, I guess I'm going to get an <laughs> office job, <laughs> you know, right, and right, that's, right. and that's cool too, you know, because you, you learn all kinds of stuff there and uh, it's super gratifying. What I love is this through point where you're like, you're kind of seeing your younger self and your current self uh, meet up again. And it sounds like you're, you know, getting to become a lot more creatively fulfilled, maybe doing something like this and making other people happy. That's so cool. It's such man. a great observation, man. I love, I love the way you put that because I haven't heard it put in the way in which you have. But I think in life, we're a product of our experiences, of all our experiences. And sometimes you need to reflect and think, okay, like what were those moments as a kid that helped to inform who I am today. And it's really interesting and magical to kind of make those connection points. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that that's something that I think a lot of us might long for too, right. Is this like, there's this part of us that obviously there's some stuff that we leave behind in our childhood years, but there's a lot of that is, right. that's just like the purest truth of who we are. Sometimes mm. I feel like, you know, that uh, if you could connect to that, even in a small way, uh, I mean, sky's, sky's the limit. So what made you want to switch and, and leave maybe the corporate world? Cause I mean, you made the onboarding program, you're like killing it. You're texting Elon. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what, yeah. What, what, what was that push like? Yeah. Whenever it, you made that switch. It, it, good choice of words. So, uh, it was for years. And I mean, even before I started working at Tesla, I wanted to do my own thing, but I couldn't pass up the opportunities that I had. I mean, I, if somebody told me I'd be working for Elon Musk or working at Tesla, I would say you're crazy. Like that, it one, it's like harder to get into Tesla than than Harvard, right? If you do the numbers, and so yeah, I sort of backdoored my way in there, right? Because I had a job at Solar City, and then luckily, who's who's to say if it's luck or not? But I, I had the good. The, the opportunity to take a role there. And I just loved it. I loved working with amazing people. I loved the roles that I had. It was also challenging. I'm not saying it was perfect, but in, in, I left there in 2019. So here's what happened. My boss reports to Elon Musk. Okay. I'm at an airport 
and, and I haven't shared it quite in this way, but I'm in an airport. And, and by the way, I had been part of how many layoffs between my time at Varengo, my time at Solar City, my time at Tesla. And I was always the one who had the made, who made the decision on who stayed and who, who, who went. They call it a riff, right? Reduction in force. So I have a global role at this point at Tesla. And so I have a team in North America, a team in APAC, the Asian Pacific region, team in EMEA, which is Europe. And, and I have leaders in each one of those geographic regions. Well, Elon's a smart guy and I'm not going to discredit him, but in his mind, I think this, I don't know this, but I, he's like, why do we need this guy? Like, why do we need this global role? And I had just been promoted that not too long before. So my boss has a meeting with Elon and she calls me afterwards. And she's like, hey, your position's been eliminated. I could have gone yeah. into a sales role. I could have gone into something else. But honestly, I was like, this is what I needed. And you say a push. This is the push I needed to do my own thing. Because it, it was too much money. It was too great of an opportunity for me just to walk away and leave. I needed that push. And honestly, I'm mm -hmm. grateful. I, I'm grateful that I got that push because I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't get that push. And, and granted, I'm who knows what would have happened. And I'm not saying I hated my job. I didn't. But I, I wanted to leave for years leading up to that point. Yeah. Well, you know, it's... It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of wild. I don't know. I don't want to get all hippy dippy or anything like that. <laughs> I've just found that if you, if you have that lens of opportunity, then you can have some folks that might see you getting laid off as being like, well, oh, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm the person that, uh, the world just, uh, you know, the world dumps all their problems on or does not <laughs> open doors for, but then it's like the same, it's the other side of the coin. You're like, Dang, well, I guess it's time that I can do my thing. It's like, it's the perfect opportunity. That's, uh, that's, that's really, really cool. So well, is the universe you, working you, for you or is the universe working against you? Right? Like that's the kind of, yeah. as you said, right? That's the, it's the mentality. Do I have a victim mentality or do I have a sort of an abundance mindset where I believe that what's coming to me, it might feel painful at the time, mm -hmm. but like the bigger picture, like what doors of opportunity have opened as a result, because then it's infinite, right? Like if you really look at it, yeah. You, when you're doing the thing you've been doing, you kind of have one thing, but when you open up a door, one closed door equals infinite doors that are now open. What do you think helped you get to that kind of mindset? Because it's not a, it's not a natural mindset. I mean, yeah. Good question, man. I think repetition of hearing it and being in environments where you observe other people, you are a product of those who you surround yourself with. So at a very early age, I was 19 years old. I was involved with some companies that led me to be very engaged with personal development. And I had opportunities to, to learn from people who have that kind of mindset and see how they operate. And so I think it gave me a new perspective. You, you see it all the time, right? You, you're raised in a certain way. If you're raised by parents who have a victim mentality, the likelihood of you having a victim mentality are extremely high. Conversely, if sure. you're raised in an environment that's different than that, where you have a growth mindset, chances are you're more likely to also have a growth mindset. But don't, I would say don't just 
allow whatever your childhood is to define you. You can go out and seek people and find people to surround yourself with in adulthood that gives you, that feeds you the, 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 the things that you need to be more of an abundant thinker. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's, that's great advice too, because I can't tell you how many times I've just, I've been seeing a lot of people that I love following that are always sharing and saying, Hey, it's, it's so important to like, uh, go out and seek the education that you want for yourself and seek the company that you want for yourself. We were even talking off camera about, uh, you just went to the summit of greatness. And I mean, yeah. What do you think is like the biggest benefit of doing things like that? Cause I know there's a lot of people who are like, they get a little nervous about spending the money on resources or anything like that, but it's kind of like, it seems like the biggest investment you can probably make in yourself to me, you know? hundred percent. So three things for, for an event like that or, or others, that event specifically summative greatness or others. The first thing is you put yourself in an environment to win. You surround yourself with other winners, other mm. people who are doing things. And it's almost like an osmos osmosis type of effect. You're, uh, you're around people who believe in unlimited abilities. They, they just have this zest for living and what you can do with your life, with the moments that you have, that's unshakable. And when you're around those type of people, it can't help but to rub off. So that's the first thing. The second sure. thing is yeah. when you're in an environment where people are sharing things that matter, it may not be new information, but you may need to hear it at that moment. So learning is great, but actually relearning is even better. Because when you hear something over and over again, there's a much greater likelihood you're going to embrace it. You hear something one time, you may say, that's a good idea, but you forget it. Mm -hmm. And that's the challenge with our brains are so amazing, but they're not a steel trap. No, we, we kind of have right. a recency type of thing where we remember the most recent things that we've heard and the things that we heard a while ago, we start to forget. So I think that's the second, that's the second point. And the third point is, it's a charge. It gives your battery fuel. And what I mean by mm -hmm. that is when you go to an event where, that electrifies you, it fills your tank. And momentum builds upon momentum. And when you leave an event like that, you're already giving yourself a push. It's like a snowball. Why does a snowball grow? Because it's getting more and more momentum and picking up the accumulation of snow along the way. And it's all of a sudden, it's a big boulder of, of snow. What you get when you go to an event like this is this incredible charge of momentum that can help to catapult you in the direction you want to go. Now, the caveat there is making sure that you're guiding that direction so that you're mm. not going off course and that you're going in the right direction. No, absolutely. I could not agree more with that. I also, it's funny you talk about the, um, just how important it is to like go to things that actually remind us of what, somebody's trying to teach us. Cause I, I actually looked it up the other day. Cause I was like, I wonder what the stats on that are. And it's, you only retain about 10%. <laughs> it's about 10%. And then 90% goes, uh, God knows where, um, the inverse of that is if you teach, uh, you actually have the ability to absorb 90% of it. So 
what's cool is like, but it's like that, that whole thing, right? You have to learn before you can teach. And, uh, I, yeah, I just, uh, no, it's funny. I just have been thinking about that quite a bit recently. So I love the way you put it. And I feel like if people aren't, uh, putting time and effort into either attending something like this or finding people that are a a few steps ahead of them and like holding on to them being like, show me what you got then you're probably, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're missing out and you're, you're not, you're doing yourself a disservice, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but I, uh, I love the way you put that. Um, and part of the reason why I wanted to ask you about that is because a lot of our audience are people that are in a, a position where they are either in a job that they're like, yeah, this is fine, but I kind of want to do my own thing. Um, they're people that want to become entrepreneurs and, uh, live like, like you live, like do something like what you're doing, you know? Um, so it's super insightful whenever, uh, you, we can hear about some of these different things. Um, so rewinding a little bit here, um, you are like, okay, I've got this amazing idea for my podcast and Podify. Uh, were there any like fears at all in that moment? Like what, what was, what was some of the stuff that you had to battle with in your own head when you were making that making that yeah. if there, if there was any, you know, no, I, I'd say the, when you reflect, I think you learn more about what the fear was. I think sometimes in the moment you don't necessarily acknowledge or, or take into account because you're, you go, I think more based on a subconscious or more of a primal type of vibe, by the way, before I forget, just to tap in on the, on the memory piece and I'll get back to fear. Please. I, I just I just did an episode for a new show that I'm launching called Relearning or re, excuse me I didn't know the title uh, called Relearned. Uh, but but the <laughs> the the topic well that's how new it is the topic is memory right this first one of the episodes is about relearning how how we remember things and what's interesting about how we remember things is most of the memories are there they don't de- they don't de- um, decay or or go away but it's the pathway to get to those memories that we we need to work on so if we have some emotional connection to something so for teaching something we probably have more of an emotional connection or if it was a traumatic event like we remember traumatic events because they're highly emotionally charged sure the other thing that was really interesting is people say repetition is the mother of learning and it is however it's not just repetition by itself what you want to do is Break up the repetition with different things because you want it to be a little bit more difficult to create the neuro pathway. So instead of just repeating the same line over and over and over again, hope I remember it, do that, but then give yourself a break. So then you have to force a more challenging connection and it it actually makes the neuro pathway stronger because you've created that. So sort of an aside from the fear conversation, but Something I thought would be worth you, n- noting. Can, Go ahead. Could you explain that a little bit further? That idea, sure. like, what's an example of putting that into like yeah practice? So, so in school we learn whatever it is, math, or we're going to learn a vocabulary word, or whatever it may be, yeah. and we look at cue cards. If all we did was spend twenty minutes looking at cue cards without a break from the cue cards, our mind is going to wander and not pay as close of attention and not be as likely to retain it. But if we did five minutes of looking at cue cards. Then we did something completely different. We study history or we do go for a walk or do something else and then go back to the cue cards or even force our brain 
to not look at the cue cards and mm-hmm. it's going to be more challenging. You want to challenge your brain more, okay. make it more difficult because it's easy to look at the cue cards and do it. And this is just an example, but, but it could be, there's so many different ways you could think about it. What you really want to do is force your brain to think and to make the connection point stronger because it's, it's more difficult to remember something when you're not looking at it than when you are looking at it. So that, that's the example. Oh, uh, and, uh, yeah, okay. so it, yeah, that's, so it's pretty interesting, right? No, that is and, fascinating. That makes sense. Why I uh, I remember being a kid and having to learn all the countries in the world, like in high school or something. And I would do the quizzes online where it would show the the name of it, and then it would just take it off. And I would do that over and over, same way. Pass the test. Next day, couldn't point out a single country. <laughs> right, because your mind's um, so, gonna let that go. Yeah. <laughs> no, that makes so much sense. That's super. That's very fascinating. Yeah, I was fascinated too. So, and that's the beautiful thing about relearning is that you're, you know, one, you could relearn things you knew, but also relearn, you know, learning new perspectives and new things. So, regarding fear, I think for me, I didn't have immediate fear like that this wouldn't work. Partially because I am a firm believer that it may not work in the way in which I envisioned it to begin with. And quite frankly, it didn't work in the exact way I envisioned it. But I I believe that the only way you fail long term is to quit. And so for that reason, I didn't have immense fear. That being said, I think we all have doubt and we all have imposter syndrome to some degree. And we all I think the biggest challenge we all have is we tell ourselves stories that aren't real. Our mind is constantly making up artificial stories. And I think what we have to do is start to be a bouncer in our brain, like have a bouncer that pushes those negative thoughts out. Yes. If you've read like Think Think and Grow Rich or studied the most prolific thinkers and mindset people. One of the things we, we know and we talk a lot about is that our brain can't distinguish between something that's real and not. It just kind of thinks everything's real. But, but we, we do have our prefrontal cortex, which is the, our, our, you know, the front of right behind our forehead. It's the CEO. It's the problem solver. It, it thinks. And so it can decipher and make decisions on what's real and what's not. The problem is this part of our brain is overwhelmed. I read this book and the guy says, the prefrontal cortex is like 50 cents and the rest of your brain is like the entire US economy. But it's mm. given so much work and it needs to do so much work. And that's, by the way, that's David Rock, just to give him credit, uh, who does a lot Excellent. of teaching on mindset. But the idea here is that that part of our brain, like why do we have an insight when we go on a run or go to the bathroom or work out it's because we've given our prefrontal cortex a chance to catch up and not be inundated with all of the minutiae of the daily decisions that it needs to make. Uh, and it's the same is true for when we have these negative ideas, these negative thoughts. We need to do a better job of removing those and weeding them out of our brain. And I use the word weed because if you've read Think and Grow Rich, your mind is a fertile garden. You plant any mm. seed, a negative seed, a positive seed. It's either going to grow a, re- a weed or it's going to grow a beautiful flower. And we want our brain to be growing these beautiful flowers as opposed to be growing weeds that 
pollute our mind with all the reasons why we can't do something, why we're not good enough, why we can't do something, why this person's better and why I'm, you know, all these different things that we, that we tell ourselves, yeah. just remove those as quickly as possible. No, I think that's, uh, I think that's wonderful. Uh, I also appreciate the visualization of like, <laughs> Hey, what are you, what are you growing right now? You know, I mean, ask yourself anytime you get into, get into something like that. I I'm a big believer in mantras, um, mm. and, and visualization. And also I, I watch a lot of, uh, Alex Hormozzi's stuff. If sure. you've ever heard of that guy. <laughs> yeah. I kind of like his concept of the opposite of, which is like negative visualization, which is like, well, what's the worst case scenario? You know? Yeah, no, because usually it's, it's not, it's a good point. It's not that bad usually, you know? Um, I love that. It, it, no, it, I love, I love, I love Alex. I actually did an episode on him. He didn't, he wasn't a guest, but I did a show with Brendan, as a matter of fact, because he, he, it, Brendan Kumarasamy, we were talking about him and we did a show about Alex, but I love how he turns conventional wisdom on its head and comes up with different perspectives. And I think you're right. Contingency planning or thinking about worst case scenario, like it's often not as bad as we make it out to be. And so being proactive about thinking about it isn't a bad idea. It's not to say that that, that means that you're thinking negatively. It just means that you're thinking about, okay, it's, like, it's visualization is what it really is. It's like, mm -hmm. I'm visualizing all scenarios and I could visualize this, this, what if this, that, or the other happened, and then also visualize the positive reflection or opposite end of that as well. I, yeah. And I, I don't know. I just think, I think those are just such practical tools. I wish, I wish that everybody knew, you know, cause if you had that, it just gives you a second to like slow down, uh, it, yep. like you're talking about, you know, free up your prefrontal, uh, cortex a little bit to, to give it a little totally. breather so that it can actually work the way that it should. And, um, you know, I think, I think people could find a lot of fulfillment, uh, being able to, being able to do that. So I'm curious, once you started podcasting, uh, and getting out there and doing all this, what was, what was kind of your, your, your motivation, you know, like, did you have, what was your, cause I know it, it's so important to always prioritize. So what was your number one priority in the beginning in terms of like, did you have a mission in mind or mm -hmm. were you like, I'm just going to keep going or yeah, I'd love to hear kind of where your head, I always am curious whenever people start out on something like that, what's uh, yeah. What, what you were envisioning for yourself in that time. Yeah. So the first thing I think for me was learning from other people who've been down the path. So I did not only one show, which is Inside Out, but I did another show. I don't currently run that show, but it was called For the Love of Podcast. And the show was cool. all about podcasting, but it was very selfish in nature in that I started to interview people who had millions of downloads, like Jordan Harbinger, or who's in the podcast Hall of Fame, right? Uh, several people in the podcast Hall of Fame and just basically asking them, how do they do it? What was, what was the, what were the challenges? What were the success points? And, and like what I felt would, what that would do is shorten the timeline it took for me to understand the business, the industry, the art of doing a show. So I think that was one of the original things that I thought a lot about. And then the other thing I thought about was how do I take a show and look for ways to monetize the show and, and build a business around it. And so for me, you know, obviously I need this to be something that can be 
a long-term proposition because I'm never going to stop podcasting. That I know. So how do I create revenue streams around my podcast? And so the clearest and easiest way for me to do that became Podify. And so that's why I built the business in the way in which I have, which is I know that there are a lot of tasks that just take too much time. Video editing takes time. Audio editing takes time. Writing takes time. Web development takes time. Booking people on on shows takes time. Each of those things are, are things that I can give time that I give back to people who are creating content. So looking at it from a lens of there's the production side, there's the marketing side, and there's the monetization side. So for me, the vision that I have is I want, and this is what we've already created, I want to offer a solution that gives people the comfort and the security and the trust to have outstanding content created to take that content and to market it on social and other platforms on their website yeah. and, and other ways to get it out there. And then how do you convert that content into actual money through courses or consulting or speaking or business growth or any of the things that can happen as a result of this content getting more traction. So those are the, the two immediate things that I focused on when I started my show. Cool. Yeah. And I think that's such a good business model in that, I mean, basically you're like, Hey, I figured this stuff out. You know, I, I did it for myself. I created this, I'm going to make a podcast that's thriving and, you know, is I, that I've actually been able to monetize. And what I've done for you is instead of you having to go figure this whole thing out for yourself, I can actually kind of, you know, fast track it. I mean, I drink my own Kool-Aid over here. I can't think of a better testimonial than that, you know? Um, that's, uh, that's, that's really, uh, really incredible. That's kind of what we do over here at rocket level too. We're like, Hey, we're, we're a digital marketing place. Uh, we take care of all of our own stuff and we've built out the playbook so that anybody else that wants to do something, we can just say, yeah, we'll do what we'll do, uh, do for you, what we're doing for ourselves, you know? Um, love it, man. That's really cool. I, and by the way, you kind of touched on that first part. That's, I'll let you in on a secret. That's kind of what I'm going to do with you today a little bit. Because <laughs> uh, I, I, I love your podcast so much. I think they're so engaging. Um, what were some kind of commonalities that you found with other really successful podcasters? Uh, did you notice any kind of like strategies or ways to sure. create a more engaging, yeah, more engaging yeah. content or anything like that? Yep. 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 Great question. So I'd say the first thing is how do you create it factor that can be shared? And what I mean by that is mm -hmm. think of like a producer, right? A TV or film producer. What do they do when they pitch a project? They think of ways to describe it in a sentence, like a log line. And 22% of podcasts are shared with other people, but they're only going to be shared if people can share it in a single sentence. So mm -hmm. if you think about it, like um, everybody loves s'mores, right? You got, you got marshmallows, you got graham crackers, you got chocolate. Individually, they're all, they're good, but you put them together, pff, you got a s'mores, man. This is the, this is, this is the life, right? You got s'mores. Yeah. And when you package something that you can combine, meaning like maybe it's two different niches or maybe it is to use the, go back to the movie analogy, it's. Top Gun meets, and I'm dating myself by saying Top Gun meets the Goonies, right? These are two old movies, from, but like 
point being is you take two things, you put them together and you're able to describe what that is. And so maybe it's a business podcast that, you know, puts people on the hot seat and, you know, like whatever it may be. So you want people to be able to describe it in in Mm -hmm. very clear terms. So it has to be unique. What that does is it creates, it is a unique show that you haven't heard about before. It's either in a niche with a sub niche and you combine those two or some other way to give it its secret sauce. So that's, that's one Mm -hmm. big pillar. The second thing that I think separates shows is making sure that the show itself is serving the audience that it's intended to serve. I think a lot of times, uh, People do a show and it's, it should be personal and you should be able to do something that's you're passionate about, but you got to make sure on the other end, there's enough people who are also passionate about that. Mm-hmm. And if it's super competitive, what's going to set you apart from everyone else? So what I say is get in front of success. And what I mean by that is <clears throat> why is it that my, one of our clients has a very successful, uh, true crime podcast. Well, it's, there's two, there's probably three reasons. One, true crime's a hot genre, but there's a lot of true crime podcasts that aren't as successful. They're doing millions of downloads, right? Sure. Two, they talk about things that are very uh, current and they're capitalizing on trends, current events. And it's, it's, it's two, it's called Housewives of True Crime. And they, they talk about things that, that two housewives would talk about, right? And yeah. so they talk about, it's kind of, a, they talk a little bit gossip and they talk a little bit about their lives. And mm-hmm. then three is their personality. They bring their personality to the table. So it's a recipe that works. It's not just a true crime podcast. It's not just a gossip podcast. And it's not just a personality entertainment podcast. They've blended all those things together. And so now they have people that want to listen. So they've got in front of success. Another show we have uh, is, how is, is what would Ted Lasso do? Okay. It's a leadership show mm. about Ted Lasso. So you're combining two topics. The show's done very cool. well because Ted Lasso's hot. People are curious. People are searching. So it's going to get automatic traction that way. But people are also very curious about how you could look at the characteristics of a character like Ted Lasso and, and understand why that person is, uh, is a good model to look at. And so, that sort of blends the, the first point I made and the second point, which is get in front of success. And then the last point is ultimately you're going to be creating something for a long time. So you need to, whoever the person is who's creating the show, you need to have a sustainable interest in that topic. And it's mm. not just something that you could do five episodes or 10 episodes. You need to have a long-term sustainable interest in what it is that you're doing because then you're always going to be passionate and you're always going to be looking for ways to create something for other people. Now that's part one of that equation. Part two is that, are you solving a problem that people want to be solved? Help with social media marketing, uh, communication, public speaking, or are you so damn entertaining that people just can't help but to listen to you? So either education or entertainment. So you got to have one or two or both of those things And there's got to be an audience ready to receive that on the other end. Is it a hair on fire problem that you're solving? So those would be the three Mm. buckets that I think you could look at. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of uh, also (laughs) 
I'm going to check both of those out. That's <laughs> those sound like a uh, pretty amazing podcast. I, uh, I love, I love both of those prompts, but yeah, that, that helps put it, put it into perspective, right. Is locking in, uh, who's my captive audience. And it also falls so much on the host to be like, am I actually going to be invested in this topic enough to, to where I know I can deliver something that's going to consistently engage the, uh, engage the people that I'm talking with. Um, Both ends, right? Of, yeah. Inve time investment for the host, but also time invest who's has a vested interest and a long-term interest from a, from a listener perspective. So cool. Okay. So what's your one sentence for your podcast? Mm. So great question. And it's changed over time. And I have, I have, uh, you know, three, three different shows in, in, in each one it's evolved. So I, I would say that for, for me, my primary show is inside out and it's mm -hmm. ideas that will help you change the world. And that's where cool. it is today. So it's inside out with Billy Samoa ideas that will help you change the world. And the idea behind it, and this is goes a little bit deeper is we all have transformational insights that we've allowed to impact us in a way that will allow us to impact others. And so inside mm -hmm. out really explores this world of what are those game changing, life changing insights that can make a huge impact. And so that's what we explore. So when I do my research, you mentioned my research, I do my research explicitly and, and primarily to figure out which insights does this person have in their arsenal that are so powerful that haven't been heard, right? Because the element of surprise is important and also new information is important. So I don't want the same Absolutely. recycled information over and over again. I want a new, bold, exciting, life-changing insight, a zinger, right? Uh, yeah. Brendan yeah. calls them a wowza. You know, we want wowzas. And so <laughs> those, yeah. are, those are what we <laughs> highlight on my show on Inside Out. And then um, for for the love of podcast is it's, it's podcast insights that will help you be part of the 1%. And so 1% of shows that are allowing that, that have the kind of traction that will, will allow them to uh, be in that elite level of show. And so we want to share the insights that will help a podcaster understand like, what are those nuances? What are those, what are those key factors or characteristics or, or difference? And then for, for relearned, uh, I'll save that because I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it because it's a show that we're we're just now launching. I also cool. have another show, which is kind of um, I did it for a short time called Things You Didn't Know with my son, but he lost interest, so I stopped doing it. <laughs> but guess what? <laughs> a lot of the topics we explore in Relearned, they're also topics we explored in Things You Didn't Know, which the the I, the title of that says it all. It's Things You Didn't Know. So like things you didn't know about Disneyland, things you didn't know about the Titanic. Things you didn't know cool. about the United States, which, by the way, we've done all those episodes. Man, I love that so much. I think that's uh, that's incredibly, uh, incredibly powerful. Something that I was thinking about before we were talking and this kind of brought it back into my brain again, because that's the thing that we all want, right, is to be like, how do we get past that recycled thing where we're like, hey, I know you might have done a podcast like this, but I'm going to get a copy of that podcast for this podcast. Right. Cause that's the last thing we, we don't want that to happen. That just feels, I don't know. Nobody wants that to happen. So 
how do you, when you're doing your research, get past some of that so that you oh. can actually like, you know, like have something that where you're like, okay, you can leave feeling like I got something fresh. This isn't just yeah. a recycled. Yeah. My favorite, my favorite uh, thing to talk about is research and interviewing. So thank you for that. And the simplest way to describe it is you're looking for things that they don't normally talk about, or you're going to help them talk about it in a different way. So how do you do that? Well, first thing, you got to listen to some shows that they're on. So listen to three, four or five podcasts they've already done. And that's a lot. But the beautiful thing is you could listen in fast motion. At least I think, I don't know if I've trained my ear to listen because my wife thinks I'm crazy. She's like, how do you listen to that? How do you like, understand that? Yeah, they're talking fast, but, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm yeah. alert and I'm listening and I'm not doing anything else. I'm just listening. Mm-hmm. And I'm listening at like 2X, maybe two and a half X, depending on that person's speech pattern. I'm listening for stories and concepts that are, that are new to me and that I don't think they share a lot and or I'm looking for how they tell that story because what I can do is I could say, I know you have had this story happen. I kind of tell part of the story for them, but then I get them to go deeper into the story or I get them to share the insight. So that's that's one thing. And then, excuse me, the other part of it is what are they sharing all the time and then kind of avoid going into those areas unless it's so valuable that you think it'd be important to share. So that's the first big bucket. The second one is they have content outside of what they do on podcasts. So they might write a book, they might do speaking, they might have a YouTube channel, social media, go deep into those areas. Most people don't do that. Most people don't look at the littlest thing. So I would go like a guy named Jeff Harry, right? Here's a guy who on his social media, he's got a letter from his dad that was written to him before his dad passed away that is so heartfelt and so beautiful. So I start my interviews looking for one of two things to happen. I either want my guest and audience to laugh or cry. And, I, and it's kind of extreme, but, but, but that's the way I think about it. So I read this letter yeah. to Jeff as the very first thing I did. He started tearing up, tearing up. I go, who wrote you that letter? And he goes, my dad. My dad wrote Man. me that letter. I, he goes, no one's ever read that to me. And, it was, and I get chills just just saying this. I just got sharing. chills right now when you said that. I was like, oh my God, that's powerful, so, you know? So no one's yeah. ever done that. But but I went mm-hmm. and did the, the the research on the front end to go deeper. To Another example is, uh, and in fact, I didn't even do this interview, but I uh, it was scheduled and we're, we're scheduled to do it. We are, we're not scheduled right now, but we're, we are, we've talked about doing it in the future. We just had a scheduling conflict, but there's this guy who went on a, he's been to every country. Um, Michael Graziano been to every country in the world and we met on clubhouse. And so I said, let's, let's do an interview. So I did some research. I went back to his Facebook post that he originally made about this journey that he was going on. It was like, I don't know, eight years ago, took a long time. But my first question for him was going to be surrounding this post and reading him this post. Cause it's been eight years since he's written this sort of thing that he wants to do. So, so th- those are some like very emotional things, but then funny, yeah. I interview guy, I interview guy who's from the area, uh, in the world where Pez was invented. So I start off, I go, do you mind if I have some Pez? And he starts cracking up because no one's <laughs> ever talked about this. So setting the tone early. <laughs> so start strong in strong. How do you end strong? So mm. you want to either tie up what's been said, or you want to bring in 
something very emotional or some sort of fact or key point or insight that's really going to tie everything together. And so when you do that deep research, yes, you got to read the book. Yes, you listen to their podcast. But where do you find those jewels, those gems, right? For your show that, that aren't that aren't typically explored, you do it yes. by by going past the surface level. Wow. Okay. No, that makes yeah, that makes so much sense too. I I love that. Also, I think it allows you to probably tap into more of like just a a human connection uh, with mm-hmm. the person whenever you can show them like, hey, look. I know you're born in the same place where Pez come from. And right. like, I just want to, I want to kind of surprise you. And uh, now also, I love that it goes back to what you said at the very beginning of the podcast of like, you're still making people happy, you know, yes. you're like, just like, just like the teacher that you wrote the, uh, the, you made the 60, 70 page project. It's uh, that's what's happening on these podcasts now, which is pretty cool. The ability to, to shock and awe, you know, I, uh, the element of I, surprise. It makes the element of surprise is is so important. I often think about what's like why why are viral videos shared? Well, it's they're shared because it surprises people in one day. It's either going to tap into their emotion or it's gonna it's gonna be new information or it's gonna be something that they didn't expect. And the the biological response to this is I want to tell other people. Like I, I need to yeah. reduce the cognitive burden of this being I'm I'm the only one that knows this or I I just saw this. I have to tell somebody else. Like Absolutely. That's how things get spread, right? And so same thing's true though. When you when you have a, a intimate conversation and you can bring out some emotion out of the guest, either because you've you've taken the time to get to know them in a way that they have never had happen before. I mean, so many times I've interviewed somebody, they go, like, I've never had anybody do this kind of research. I don't know how you knew all this, or where did you find that? Or like that's what you want. You want to be able to get them to say, I've never had an interview like this. I've never had somebody pull something out that I've I've only, I don't even remember saying that. I mean, I've said that one time in this one random interview or this one social media post. And so look for, and it doesn't have to be exclusive to that. Let me be clear. It's okay if somebody is an expert on mindset, like, and they have like their core pillars, you still can bring those out. But I think the key part is when you bring those out, help help them get to the key insight as quickly as possible, which is why mm-hmm. sometimes you can help to tell the story. So I, yeah. so, you know, you, you just kind of, you help them tell the story and then you give them the, it's like you're collaborating with them. Then you give them the chance to go deeper or more granular on the insight. So much of this, because uh, you know, I do sales uh, as well. You know, that's a big, that's a big part of what I do, and uh, I can tell. I, I feel like your sales team, with if, if they were selling solar, I'm like they were probably just doing amazing out there with dis- their discovery skills. Were you just helping them out left and right with uh, uncovering all that back in the day oh. when you were doing that? Well, sales is about discovery, right? Being a good salesperson mm-hmm. means understanding. And so I, I relate a lot of my sales process and of approach, funny enough, to me waiting tables, working in a restaurant. Why is that? Mm. Well, because a great waiter, a great server understands what that person needs even before maybe they know. 
they ask the questions in the front and they're able to over deliver on, on what was promised. They're able to own up to when they've made a mistake. One of the best ways you can build loyalty is when things get screwed up, just to own up to it and fix it instead of yep. saying, oh no, the kitchen did it. Oh, it's the kitchen's fault. No, 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 it's my fault. I forgot to put that order in or whatever it may be. But to your point, if I'm going to be a great waiter, and then of course, if I'm going to be great in sales, I need to know exactly what that person wants, what's going to make their experience here as enjoyable as possible, and how do we over-deliver on what we've promised. And so yes, to your point, part of the reason I had built a lot of success around the sales organizations that I've led, and I've led many hundreds of people in the sales organizations that I've led, it's... You, you have to, of course, build rapport, relate, find common ground. Once you've gotten that point and, and you've, you've built a little bit of the trust and you've lowered the wall that most people have up, next thing is you need to understand them because everybody's a little bit different. You got to know what their personality type is, you know, from a disc profile or, or other personality profile. And then you need to know what they're hoping to accomplish by doing whatever it is that you're doing, whether it be buying an electric vehicle or putting solar on the roof or whatever it is, what does the reason why, what are the reasons why they're doing this? And what is the, uh, the end result if they've done it? Like what, how will it make them feel emotionally? People, they buy on emotion and they back it up with logic. I mean, all stuff that, you know, of course. Well, no. Yeah. But, uh, I, I think that there's so much of that that can be tied to what, podcasting is in some way too, you know, and sure. trying to like the difference with podcasting, I will say is there's a tent and probably this is a sales practice. I feel like people should get rid of is like, don't tell the person their answer, you know? <laughs> 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 right. Like I, uh, I noticed that's something that people, you know, it's something I did when on my first few podcasts, just, I was like, yeah. And didn't, didn't you kind of feel like it was like this and that and the other. And I'm like, listening right. back and I'm like, Blake, just let it breathe, you know? And, and, Talk a little more, uh, a little more organically. I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of fun. Don't steal their people. thunder. Yeah, totally, man. You want to, yeah, you want to you know. make them the hero. You, you can take the parts that aren't as exciting, but the punchline, that's for the guest. Hmm. One hundred percent, man. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this podcast. This has been uh, so insightful. I know our audience is going to love this. There's so many people that are wanting to even just start their own podcast. So tell me what is the mission that you're on right now? That's how I always like to know what's your, what's your biggest mission that you're focused on right now. Um, and then, uh, and then I'll, I have a, a couple little sneaky questions that I'm going to get. Oh, love this. Well, I'm, I'm ready for the sneaky ones. So for me, we are always looking for people who are committed to creating great content. So if you're somebody that is looking to up-level your current content or launch a new podcast or you want to take whatever you're doing currently to to the next level, we want to talk to you. So we are currently identifying people that we want to partner with because that's what we treat it. We treat it as a partnership. It's not something that we want. Uh, we don't want somebody that's kind of trying to do the bare minimum and and is not fully committed because ultimately these are long-term sports and content's not going away. And for people who take it seriously, whether you're a business owner, you're an entrepreneur, you're a consultant, a coach, 
if you're an executive, but you want to make your personal brand a cornerstone or a pillar of who you are, we want to help you do it. So that's the, that's one big bucket. And then the other one is we are creating a lot of education-based content, both in podcasting and how to create and things of that nature. So um, just be on the lookout for that. Um, if anybody wants to find me, you go to, go to my LinkedIn, just type in Billy Samoa. I was born on the Island of Samoa. So that's, that's why my, my middle name is Samoa and just find me there connect. Let me know that you, you heard me speaking to Blake and that way I could, I could say thanks to Blake for uh, allowing me to share the stage and the platform here. And then obviously you could go to podify.com, learn more about what we offer and, and you could feel free to schedule a strategy session with me there. I'd love to help you wherever you're at in your journey. Uh, we, we're, we're able to support and help you go to the next level. Amazing. Amazing. All right. And uh, the one thing I always like to ask uh, in anybody in any profession that they're in, what is one myth that if you're like, I wish I could dispel this uh, as a truth from people's minds, what is one myth about, I guess, let's say podcasting that you'd want to dispel if you were able to get that, uh, get that across to anybody? Well, I think generally speaking, there is no podcast police. So I think one myth is that there's defined wisdom that is universal. And so defined wisdom can have a lot of faces. It could be that you have to niche down, or it could be that you have to even do some of the things that I've said. You don't. You got to do what's right for you and your personal journey. And I would say, yes, there is best practices and ideas and ways in which you could do things, but don't let that limit you. And the other piece, I think we fundamentally want to look good. And so when we want to look good, the perfectionist in a lot of us, maybe not all of us, but in a lot of us, puts what we do in a, in a pace that is not necessary. I'm a big believer in speed to implementation matters. And so think in terms of versions, version one is not going to be as good as version two, but version two won't be version two unless you put out version one. And so version three, four, and five will be better than version one or two. So if you wait so long that you're wanting to be perfect, you're wanting it to be version 10, you're missing all the incremental feedback. You're missing all the, the nuance and ways in which you can improve. And you slow down the trajectory of what you can have to, to get to where you want to go. And so... So myths, I think, generally speaking, are you have to do it a certain way because people tell you to, and also thinking that you need to wait to put something out till it's too perfect. Yeah. Uh, as somebody who grew up playing a lot of music, I can tell you that's something that happens quite a bit, right? You're like, oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to release that. I, right, I, right, I'll have right. something better. I'll have something, but no, in anything you do, you're so right. Yeah. The, you, you just have to done is always better than perfect. Right. Love it. And, uh, yeah, that's, I, no, I think that's a, that's a great thing to share with everybody. Um, okay. Last question I had for you. What's, yeah. What's your favorite, the favorite thing about, uh, about what you do? You know, I'd love to know, like, what's your favorite thing? Uh, yeah. About what you, uh, what you do right now. Two, two things. First, I like variety. 
So I don't like doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. I like to do different things and I like to be involved in different projects. It just keeps me motivated. It keeps me interested. It inspires me and creatively it gives me different outlets. So I love the fact that we have shows in the mental health space, shows in the relationship space, shows in the executive space, recruiting, medical technology, entertainment, true crime. Like that's exciting. The other thing that's exciting is we live in a world where for the first time ever, anyone can actually change the world because of them. Like, think about that. A hundred years ago, very few people could impact other people just because of the virtue of information cannot be transferred quickly. So yeah, of course, there's going to be influential people who write books or who are in politics or who do certain things that it can spread. But the volume, like we've gone from a few hundred content creators or maybe a few thousand content creators, let's say arguably 10,000 content creators, and, and Brendan Kane talks about this, to now there's 4 billion content creators, literally. Yeah. So it, it, yeah. And that's a little bit daunting, but imagine the possibilities. Imagine the influence you could have. You can actually impact thousands of people's lives by putting out one single post. So that proposition Man. and the time we're living in, I mean, mind-blowing. It's absolutely mind-blowing. Absolutely. And, and you, we all have a responsibility to, to take advantage. And everybody's different. Like, not, I shouldn't say responsibility. We all have the opportunity to take advantage mm -hmm. of this incredible, incredible time that we're living in. And that's exciting. I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's, that is the big shift. You're absolutely right. I, uh, man, Billy, thanks again, man. It was great to meet you. I, uh, I love getting to learn a little bit more about uh, everything that you do and your story. Um, we're going to be posting this up here shortly. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really excited. Everybody, uh, you know, be on the lookout for Billy and we're going to post all of his links and, uh, you know, of course, in the description, um, be on the lookout for uh, anything new on the gym series, Instagram. And uh, of course, everybody have a wonderful day. All right. Uh, everybody have a great day. And I, uh, I hope everybody is uh, thriving, doing well. And uh, until next time, this was the gym series. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the gym series, the podcast for anybody dedicated to investing in themselves. If you'd like to see the resources mentioned in this episode, learn more about what we are up to at rocket level or come over and join our team. Just click on the links below. Until next time, this is Blake Chapman, and remember to be awesome and do awesome things.